I'm Tracy McCauley. And I'm Liz Zuleika. We are cardiology pharmacists, educators, and self-declared literature crusaders. With the help of national cardiology pharmacy experts, we at Cardioscripts aim to keep you up to date. In this first episode of Two, we hear from outgoing PGY2 cardiology residency directors and get some great advice about mid-year. Enjoy the episode. Dr. Robert Domenico is an associate professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Illinois at Chicago and an inpatient cardiovascular clinical pharmacist at University of Illinois Hospital and Health Science System. Very relevant to today's discussion, he also serves as the residency program director for the UIC's PGY2 cardiology program. And since 2008, he has mentored 10 residents in this program. Also joining us is Dr. Carrie Pickworth, who is a cardiology specialist at the Richard M. Ross Hart Hospital on the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center campus, as well as a clinical associate professor at the Ohio State University College of Pharmacy. Until very recently, passing the torch, Dr. Pickworth served as the director of the PGY2 in cardiology at OSU for 24 years and trained and mentored an impressive 32 residents, including me. So thank you for that, Carrie. Both Rob and Carrie were instrumental in contributing to the 2017 revisions to the American Society of Health System Pharmacist PGY2 Cardiology Residency Goals and Objectives. They have both served as surveyors for the accreditation process, and Carrie was recently welcomed to the Commission on Credentialing for all ASHP residencies. I could easily spend 15 minutes discussing the qualifications and accomplishments of these two individuals, but I'm sure you would rather hear from them. So please allow me to welcome Carrie and Rob to CardioScripts. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Tracy. I'm glad to have you guys here today, and I, I'm really excited to tell people about this article that was published this past summer in the Journal of American College of Clinical Pharmacy. It was an opinion paper from the Cardiology PRN group giving recommendations for training cardiovascular pharmacy specialists. The publication aimed to be a companion piece to existing standards, so the goal was really to help all of those program directors achieve the objectives laid out for developing clinical skills, knowledge, and behaviors necessary to be a successful cardiovascular pharmacy specialist in today's environment. It was led by Tian Ng, Tony Ripley, and Rob. So we're glad to have you here with us, Rob, to represent the leadership group and a group of program directors that represented all geographies, practices, and had a really impressive collective experience of training over 150 pharmacists over the course of their tenure as program directors. So I have lots of burning questions for you too, and I'm sure that will really help to hear your guys' thoughts on this paper and really how it came to be. So I I guess I could, uh, I'll start. It was in 2016 that we had started work on revising those standards. I know they were official in 2017, but it, it took probably a good year or so of work in doing so. And during that period of time, as we were going through the revision of the standards, Tony and I and and Carrie as well had some conversations about, you know, this is fine as far as what the standards are and kind of dotting I's, crossing T's about what needs to be done from a, largely from a logistical standpoint. And it was her idea really to to develop this paper to expand on kind of the, the depth and breadth of 
experiences that you know we all feel passionate about as far as what what the training program should look like hopefully giving fellow program directors and and, uh, residents for that matter kind of a blueprint but I, i think more importantly giving future folks a blueprint for maybe what this looks like and how to how to structure i think the other thing that went along with this tracy is we've seen an expansion of cardiology pgy2 programs We had gone from when I started for about five residency programs, and I think now we're in the area of closer to 40. And so this really was supposed to be a place where it gives you the next piece of where to go and how to actually apply for the RPDs, how to apply that in your practice setting. We're hoping to launch this episode right before mid-year. And I think mid-year is an important time for prospective residents and for program directors. And I think it's safe to announce that we are, you know, a growing network of recovering RPDs. So (laughs) now that we are all out of the recruitment game, can you sort of tell us why, when you were a program director, exactly what you were looking for in candidates and maybe how mid-year helped support that? You want to start, Carrie? Sure. I use mid-year as a great way to get information about our program. I believe that there is a program for every person that comes to my PPS booth. It may not be my program, but there is a program. And it's really important that residents or potential residents understand that. Um, it's really about the, the match or the mix of what you're looking for and how that um, works for your center. We are more inpatient versus outpatient based in our institution. We need people that have good um, intensive care type skills because we are at that, we're at a higher level. We're like kind of the critical care of cardiology with some AM care, but that's not all programs and not everybody's looking for that. And so one of the things I would recommend to residents is that they go and look at various different programs and see and and get an idea what they what they like or what they might like. And you know, there is a program out there for everyone. It's just it it's about the what fits for both the the uh, preceptors and the institution and for the resident. Yeah, you know, I, I think so many programs and organizations try to prep the residency applicants. And so they come into the mid-year PPS, for example, and it's as though they're following a script, right? They've got their same five questions that everybody asks and stuff. And so I personally, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to answer those questions, but I'm less interested in, in some of those things. I'm pretty confident that they're going to get a decent experience as a PGY1. I think it boils down to some of the things Carrie mentioned is, is the program a fit for what that particular candidate is looking for if that person has a, a focus yet, right? Do they want more inpatient? Do they want more outpatient? That kind of stuff. But the other thing that I think is important for residents to realize is that they're interviewing us as much as we're interviewing them. You know, going into a PGY1 program, you're going to spend probably a month or so, give or take, with a preceptor and every month you're going to rotate off. And so the chance that you're going to work with any one individual for more than maybe a month or two is, is smaller. Whereas when you come to a pro, you go to Ohio state, you come to UIC, you're going to work with carrier. I in a lot more focus and in sort of intense situation over the course of a, a full year. And so 
not only is it does it have to be, I think, a good fit for the individuals from what they want professionally, but there has to be a fit, I think, personally, you know, and, and that, those are some of the things we tend to, I think, maybe value some of those softer skills that you can't really put on paper as well, perhaps as much as we do some of the experiences that the prospective residency candidates have, because again, it has to be a good fit for, for all of us involved. I think one thing that's important was for me as a program director, and I think it's important to encourage residency candidates is to just be genuine. Because I think the only way that you can assess that fit is if you are both, both from the program director and the candidate being true to who you are. So you can use this short 30 minute time span to, to try to determine whether or not that, that click is going to be there. Yeah, and I think that's something that I, most of us probably try to get across to the residents is, you know, you're signing on to, to work with us directly for one year, but, it, you know, for the most part, it, it's an indefinite relationship that we all sort of get into. What would you say to the, the PY4 or even the PGY1 who has had really pretty limited cardiology rotation experience up to this point, but knows this is their passion? They, they know that they want to do cardiology. Is that too much of a limitation to overcome and apply to PGY2s? I don't think so. Um, I think they need to have some, it's helpful if they have something done in cardiology, whether it be an anticoagulation, you know, a couple weeks in an anticoagulation clinic, or that they've done an internal medicine that was focused in cardiology, if they can speak to that, that that's helpful. But really, they need really good basic internal medicine. And for me, they also need intensive care. Um, they need some sort of intensive care to actually flourish in our, our setting. Those are some things that we found that were helpful for us. But I, I, they don't have to have five cardiology rotations coming into a PGY2. Actually, we're supposed to teach them that. So for me, you know, just having at least one cardiology is important. Two's great. But if they're all cardiology, then I'm thinking, well, can they manage diabetes? Can they manage, you know, do they know anything about, you know, stress ulcer prophylaxis? Do they, do they know any of those other things? And you, we don't want something so focused. Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo that. I think some programs, whether it be uh, their pharmacy school or their residency program, may not have the breadth of cardiology experiences to afford them uh, during their training. And I don't think we should hold the resident or the candidate accountable for that. So some of the things that we look for is, you know, okay, so maybe you only had one experience in cardiology over that two-year period, but how many talks and journal clubs and other types of things have they done where maybe they were able to put a cardiology spin on it. I think that shows a, some initiative. The other thing that, that I sort of look at in some ways, uh, this is a little bit of, a, I guess, a trick of the trade. When I'm evaluating prospective people is it shows to me your passion if you're, it's okay to have an interest in various specialty areas, I think, but if you're going to give me or suggest to me that you're interested in, in things ranging from infectious disease to geriatrics to oncology to like, you know, you, if you don't have a focus and it's just pretty much everything under the sun, I, I don't know that cardiology, it, it's not clear to me that cardiology is your passion. Now, for the candidate that's now in your organization and says, I know I want to do critical care cardiology when I'm done, why do I have to do this ambulatory care rotation experience? What is your feedback to that or your response to that? 
it's mandatory at our center now. And here's the thing is you never know what's going to change. You never know what the job market is going to propose to you. You never know what your future limitations are going to be. And that may be the job that you have. And I, I think it's so important to watch the patient through the con you know, through the continuum of care from, it may be the ICU in, that you really, really thrive in or really like, but that may not be the job that's out there. And so you need to be able to handle every part of cardiology. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I think the, the continuity piece is important, understanding maybe the perspectives and how they differ and what influences uh, may affect the, you know, the, your, the given patient, I think is important, you know, and, and understanding how how practices are different in, in the different settings. For us, we have a, a kind of, a, in some ways, a built-in luxury to sort of emphasize Carrie's point, and that is our primary person on the outpatient side is Vicki Grew, and Vicki started her career as an intensive care cardiology-trained pharmacist, and now she's running a heart failure clinic and is everything Amcare. And so she's the perfect example of what Carrie's talking about is don't always close doors because you never know what might transpire over the next several years. And with the, not only the profession, but just healthcare in general changing, I think everybody, uh, not just the pharmacist, but everybody has to be sort of open to, uh, you know, what healthcare might look like in five, 10 years. And it's good chance it's going to be different than what it looks like right now. And so our, if, if you, narrow your focus and just worry about critical care, just worry about ambulatory care, whatever it is, I think you might lose out on opportunities down the road. So Tracy, there was a lot of great advice in that episode, and it was a lot of fun to listen to you guys talk. Yeah, you know, it's great to be on with um, two really good colleagues that have been friends for a lot of years. And I think we talked so much that this will be a part two coming up in just one week. Can't wait to hear. For more information, you can visit our site at cardioscripts.com. For more questions or conversation, join us on Twitter at Cardioscript. Talk to you next time. I am so computer illiterate. <laughs> so here's the best part is yesterday there was, we had a CE and I listened to it from home. And everybody kept on texting me saying, hey, we can see you. Are you sitting on your couch? <laughs> and I'm like, how do I turn the video off? And they go, well, if you can't figure it out, just put your finger over it. So that's what I did. I put my finger over because I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. <laughs> well, that's one technique.